We are going to continue on with our last teaching this month on ask for more. Ask for more is such an important thing. And this is the word that we've got for the rest of our year. And this is the word we've decided to intentionally focus on for this one month. Ask for more. I did the first two weeks. Pastor Mark did last week. And um, this is my sermon B. This is the the plan B sermon. I'm kidding. This is a a word that I really felt that God had given me a few weeks ago. But I just realized that, well, there isn't any time for me to give it. Well, now there is time to actually for me to give it. And here's a scripture that I actually read from before. And it was this. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 to 11. It says, if your child asks you for bread, would any of you give him a stone? Or if your child asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, which doesn't literally mean inherent evil, it means though you're screwed up, right? Or oh, no, we're screwed up. If you then, though you are screwed up, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him, turn to the person beside you and say, do you want to ask for more? Or do you want to just look like a side of butter? <laughs> ask the other person on the other side, do you want more? Poke them. And if, they don't, if you're not convinced by them, then tell them this is your sermon today. The first couple of teachings I gave was, it really was based on a story of an experience that I had when I was in India last year. When I was in India, I had brought all these, this big bag of uh, Dollar Tree gifts, right? A dollar, how generous am I that I'm bringing everything that's worth only a dollar. So I take this big bag and I was up on stage and I dumped it over and I made this pile of gifts like that and all the kids are like, oh, cool. So I brought these three kids up and I put them there and I read the scripture and I'm like, You parents want good gifts for your children, but God wants even more for your children and for you. And so I was telling the children, you can take whatever you want. And I realized that my my Indian wasn't very good. So I told Pastor William, tell them, He's like, and then they, they were like looking at me and they're looking at him and they were looking at my I hope he told them that. And they're looking at their parents and stuff like that, and they didn't move. And in that moment, I realized that they had hesitation within themselves. They had a disbelief of what they actually heard. And I believe there's many of us as Christians have that disbelief within us that we're not confident. We just haven't taken that step of belief to believe that God actually wants more for us. And then when they finally knelt down, they took something. They only took one thing. And I I had said, the whole thing's for you, but they only took one thing. And there's something within us where we have restricted ourselves of how much we can believe that God actually has for us. And so when I finally convinced them, the whole thing is theirs. They scooped it up and this joy came over their face and they were like giggling away like, this is, <laughs> they're speaking Indian, right? I don't know what they're saying, but I could tell they had joy and, 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 and it was amazing. It wasn't just simply because they got gifts, right? And it's not simply because um, they got dollar store gifts, but, but because that, the gifts are going to disappear. They're going to die. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to break. Something will happen. It's because they were connected to an, a moment of generosity that came from someone who had generosity. And I believe that's a picture for us that we have to believe that God does want more for us. And then, of course, I had my daughter up here when we were explaining that whole story and I had her kind of act out. And I, and I told you how, how we have to become generous ourselves in order before God will actually trust us to have more. 
If we want to increase our capacity, we've got to take whatever's in our hands and get rid of it, give it away in order for God, God to actually want to give us more and put more into our hands. And so today I'm coming to the third the third teaching in this series, this word that I felt that God gave me. And like I say, I've been sitting on this for, for a while now. And, and this is something that just really opened up my eyes to a whole new level on this thing that I'd never really seen before. And it was a lot to do again with my daughter. Now, you saw my daughter. She's sweet. She's wonderful. She's gorgeous. She's my favorite girl in the world. She's the only one I've got in the world who's, who's, who's a girl. Kale's okay. And, and I, got, I got her there. And, and no, I'm kidding. And, um, and, and, uh, and, and of course, she did a great job and helped me out with this teaching, right? And then she screwed up, right? Then I, that, that, that week, I said, Ron, I want you to clean, I want you to clean your room. Guess what she didn't do? She didn't clean her room. Can you believe that? I told her to clean her room, so she, she didn't clean her room. So I came home that day, and I'm like, uh, what are you doing? And she goes, what? And I said, I told you to clean your room. She goes, oh, yeah, I forgot. Do you know what forgot means? It means I didn't listen to a thing you just said, Father. Right? Faja, I love you, but I didn't listen to a thing you just said. I don't like that. I don't know what you're like as parents, but I don't like it when my children don't listen to what I'm saying because it's important to me. I want it to be important to them, right? But they didn't, she didn't listen to me. And I'm like, all right, get the room cleaned up. You're on restriction for this week. No TV for the rest of the week. And she's like, <sighs> like a teenager, right? No TV for the rest of this week. No TV for the rest of this week for a whole week. Get your room cleaned up. So then the next day I come home and I'm going up the stairs, and all I hear is this. Do you know that's the sound of? Panic! My dad's coming, cleaning the room! Right? So I knew what was going on, and I'm going up the stairs, right? I'm going to take my time on this one, and sure enough, it's like shuffling around. I open up the door, and she's like, oh, I was just cleaning my room! And I know you weren't! You were still doing something else that you shouldn't have been doing. And it really frustrated me as a parent. Anyone with me on that one? Shout amen and hallelujah, <laughs> right? Point your children and go, ah! And so I was there and I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this. You just don't care about anything that I say. I'm sick and tired of this stuff. You don't look after the stuff that I've actually given you. I'm now putting you on restriction. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm not even gonna argue with you on this stuff anymore. All the stuff that's on the floor, if it's not cleaned up after I come by, I'm throwing it all away. Your toys, your, your clothes, I'm going to throw away your keyboard, your makeup, all the, 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 the coolest things you like. The guitar, actually, the guitar in the, the corner belongs to Uncle Dave. We'll give that back to him, right? But I'm going to take your toys, I'm going to break them, I'm just going to start throwing stuff away. And if things don't get better, I'm actually going to take your privacy away because the government only tells me to feed you, to educate you, to keep you safe and something else. And, but it's certainly not give you a door on your, on your bedroom. And I'm going to take a door off your bedroom. You could just see her in a panic of, oh my God, my Faja is not happy with me right now, right? And so I'm like, so it's up to you, no problem. So I just walked away. So then later on, I come back and she'd actually cleaned her room. Good. That's it. By the way, you're still on restriction because you haven't actually caught my heart. You haven't done what I really wanted you to do because it's not really about the room. You see, I think that we've got to discover that it's about yielding. It's not about clean rooms. 
And in the walk of Christ, we often think that if I just, if I work hard and I try and please my father, then suddenly he'll love me. No, 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 no. It's about yielding to our father so we can receive better things from him. Even the Bible and the scriptures say it's better to obey than to sacrifice. He doesn't need our hard work. He needs a yielding of our spirits to him so that we can know him more and we can actually receive more from him. Now, I want to talk about two different things about abundance this morning. This is all about discovering our father of abundance and us operating and living in abundance ourselves. Abundance. I want to talk about the two things that abundance does for us. And the first one is this. Abundance releases joy on us. It releases joy on us. Where does it release joy? The first place that it actually releases joy is it releases joy on you as a person, you individually. So that day, what happened was I told her to clean her room. And of course, she cleaned her room and she was still on restriction. Halfway through the week, Crystal and I had to go out and I saw her, her room was untidy again. And I said, I said uh, Ron, I want you to clean your room. By the time I get back, I want you to have your room cleaned. And I said, by the way, if you don't do what I've asked you to do, what should your restriction be extended to? And she said, one more week. And I'm like, okay, deal. <laughs> I was thinking one more day. You know, like she would go low and I'll go high and we kind of meet in the middle. Then she goes, one more week. And I said, all right. You made the decision, it's your choice. So I walked away and we left and we came back that night and then something happened. When I walked in the door, I heard someone shouting from the top of the stairs and she shouted, Dad, come and see my room. Now here's the thing with people who haven't done the things they've been told to do. They don't usually boast about it. They don't shout from the rooftops. They usually close the door. They usually hide themselves. They usually go into isolation. They pull themselves away. But those who are living in abundance and obedience in their lives, they want to let it out. They want to show to their father what they've done. They want to tell everybody else how good their father is and how much God has actually done in their own lives. Let me tell you, in 2 Corinthians 7, 4, it says this, I am filled with comfort, Paul says. I overflow with joy in all our affliction. It doesn't matter what restrictions you have in your life. When you're living and operating out of abundance, it, you have joy in your life. Joy and affliction, how is that possible? Yes, because abundance releases joy. It's about an alignment with your Father. It's not about riches and restrictions. It's about pleasing your Father. It's about doing what's right. It's about being at peace that releases this joy because I know my Father will be pleased with me. Even if my dad's not home, there's an expectation within my daughter when she realizes I've done what I've been told to do. That's what he told me to do. He can't be angry anymore. He has to have joy inside himself. He's got to be pleased with this because I've done what I've asked him to do. That releases joy within you. This is something important that I believe that we have to discover because we don't just, just find joy within ourselves, but we also release joy within our Father. Now, we release joy within our Father because we did the thing He told us to do, right? We got results, and I had joy because she cleaned her room. I have joy because I don't have to call pest control anymore because she's left plates still under her, her bed, and now there's bugs and cockroaches getting in there, right? I've, I've got joy because I've got order in the household, and it's not because I have to be in control and I've got to rule everything, but it's simply because I'm doing these things to get good things into the family, 
to get good things into my daughter, to make her into the mature person that I want her to become so I can trust her with more. Listen, everything I have belongs to her and belongs to my son. Everything that Crystal and I have, we want to give to them, but we want to give it to them at a point where they can, where they can be trusted to have it. But you see, my joy increased in her because of one more thing that she did. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves us. What does that word say? Cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. In the Greek, it literally comes from a word called hilaros, which is where we get our word hilarious or hilarity. That's where we get our word from. It's hilarity. When you're joyful or you're happy, right, you do this, right? Right? When you're joyful and you've got happiness, something comes out on your body, right? It's on your body. But when you have hilarity, it comes out of your mouth. Hey, guess what happened to me? Joy comes out of you. And it says that the Father loves a hilarious giver. That's obedience. That is abundance that stirs up joy within yourself. And then it stirs your Father. And here's the thing that happened. The second thing that I happened was she took it to the next level. There's the second point I want to talk about. Yes, God, abundance releases joy on us. But here's the thing that I really start to see is that abundance releases curses off of us. It releases curses off of us. And as she told me how, about how she did, she tidied her room and she stood in the corner and she's like, and I tidied this and I tidied that and I made this right. And I'm standing at the door going, that's great. It actually looks tidy. And I'm trying to look for something that maybe she missed, but no, no, she tidied the whole thing. And then she said this word, listen now, she said, and. The power of and in our lives to go above and beyond how could she have done that? Because she had operated out of abundance in her life. And she went over to her closet and she opened up her closet and she said, and I tidied this and I reorganized everything. And I looked at the closet and I'm like, this is a Christmas miracle. Because she doesn't like cleaning at all, right? And she says, this is, a, this is a Christmas miracle. Is Jesus returning already? But here's the thing about that abundance. She moved my hand. She moved my hand to do something about it. She removed, she moved my, she created a response in me that moved my hand to say, Rowan, I am so proud of you. I'm removing all restrictions. You've got two days left. I'm removing them all. They are gone in your life right now. I'm removing them all. I'm so proud of you. I believe that living in abundance doesn't just bring us joy, but it removes the things that have been hindering us in our lives for all of our lives and possibly generations in your, in your inheritance that you've had in your life. I believe that God has come to give us freedom in our lives. And some of us are still Christians living with the, the promise of eternity, but we're not living with the abundance in our lives here on earth. Jesus said he's come to give life and life to the full abundantly and over, overflowing in our lives. I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here down a little theological rabbit trail right now, okay? I'll bring it all the way back around. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were reading from Deuteronomy 28. And Deuteronomy 28 was literally Moses's, Moses's eyes, Moses's, 
farewell speech to the Israelites. They were about to go over into the promised land. And he said, listen, guys, I've gone so far. I know my day is done. You guys are going to take on everything that has been promised to us. But I'm going to remind you of what it takes to hold on to the blessings of God. And he says this in Deuteronomy 28. And this is, this, is, this is like a synopsis of what will happen to us if we live in the ways of God versus in not living in the ways of God. And he says this, if you, number one, listen obediently to the voice of God. That's all I want my daughter to do. Just listen to what I tell you to do. If you listen obediently to the voice of your God and heartily obey all his commands. That's just do what I told you to do. He says this, all these blessings will come down on you and spread out beyond you because you have, what does that word say? Responded to the voice of God. There's an expectation of a response in our lives that we have to live out abundance in our lives in order to receive the abundance that is promised to us. And I went and counted up all the blessings that are promised in, in, in Deuteronomy 28. And I numbered 21 blessings that I could see that covers your, your family. It covers your children. It covers future generations. It covers your body. It covers your business. It covers your ministry. It even covers international relationships. And these blessings cover everything you could ever imagine for your life. And he says, if you will listen obediently and heartily obey everything I've told you to do, you'll have all of those things. But then the whole of the chapter goes on even longer and it lists all the curses that will come upon us if we don't listen to the voice of Father and we don't live by his ways. Now, this is the best number I could come up with and maybe it's not a perfect number, but here's the number that I counted by listing them all. It was 274 curses were listed. That's pretty shocking to us. That is over 10 times the amount of curses that would come on our lives if we don't follow and obey the ways of God. Now, note this. As I was reading this whole chapter, I noticed there was a paragraph that I believe summed up all the curses that would come upon us, the, the, the summation of the type of curses that would be in our lives that would destroy our lives. And here it is in Deuteronomy 28 from verse 47, 48. And he says this, because you did not serve the Lord your God. What does the word say? Joyfully. And what does it say? Gladfully in the time of prosperity. You see, everything that Rowan has in her life is given to her. She has this magnificent house and she has, she has cars, she's got education, she's got parents that love it. She lives in bountiful prosperity in her life. But when she wasn't moving in joy and in gladness, she still couldn't release the future blessings that would come to her. She couldn't release the joy of abundance that would overflow in her life. Now remember, this is not just about money. This is about your emotions. This is about your spirit. This is about your family. This is about planting into the future. And it says this, because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. Therefore, in hunger, number one, and thirst, number two, in nakedness, number three, and in dire poverty, number four, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. I got some good news for you this morning. You don't have to worry about that stuff anymore if you're living in Christ. Why? Because as I see it, on the cross of Christ, Jesus took every one of those things. Every one of those things were put on him when he was nailed to the cross. Think about it. He had everything he'd ever need. 
He had all the riches he would ever need in life. He lived out of abundance, and yet he decided to give himself up to take these things. He was hungry on the cross. We know between 24 and 36 hours uh, from the, the Last Supper until he was on the cross, he was hungry in his stomach. We just did a 21-day fast. How many of you felt the hunger, and how grumpy did you feel? But on the cross, he's, on, he's taken on this hunger that we have felt. If you've not fulfilled, fulfilled in your life, if you've, not ever, if you've ever felt lack in your life, or you just never feel like that you've got enough, you need to know that Jesus took that for you when he was put on the cross. When he was on the cross, he literally said, I thirst. He called out, I thirst. And he gave him something to drink and he rejected it. Why? Because he was taking the curse of thirst upon himself so that you don't actually have to have it. If you've not felt refreshed, if you've not felt joy, if you've not felt any motivation in your faith of walking with our Father, if you've lost your way, you need to know that Jesus has taken that cross and abundance is yours. If you have lost nakedness in your life, if you've got nakedness when he was put on the cross and yeah, you get pictures, you had the loincloth, that's only for our own sensibilities. But the fact is, he was up on the cross, he was completely naked, he was shamed. How many of you have gone through vulnerability where your father wasn't there, your mother wasn't there, and you felt vulnerable, you felt scared when you were a child? Maybe some of you have gone through the horrors of abuse and you've been raped or you've been abused. Maybe you've gone through terrible things where you've been broken, or maybe it's simply that you're constantly second-guessing yourself in your life because you don't know what you're made of because you're vulnerable, because you feel naked. You need to know that Jesus took that for you when he was on the cross. You also need to know that when he was on the cross, he went through dire poverty so you don't have to live in dire poverty. It's not about how much money you've got. It's about living in abundance. Jesus lived in that abundance and then he gave it up for us. Look at this. It literally says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, though he, Jesus, was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's abundance. That's the ability to know fine well that when I don't have any money in my pockets and I don't have enough, I don't worry about it, I don't complain about it, I simply have the credit card of the kingdom of God. And my father said he'll give me whatever I need to go do the things that he's asked me to do. But Jesus has already cleared away my debt and I know fine well that if I've got a room full of hungry people, I can be like Jesus and say, I've got some fish and I've got some loaves. Father, I don't know what you're gonna do with this, but I'm giving it to you. Multiply it for me. You need to see the multiplication and overflowing must come from our lives. It was the same command that was given to Adam and Eve when they said, go multiply and go occupy. It's the same command that is given to us to multiply and to occupy in our lives, not so that we can become big fat cats that sit on the couch, but simply because we know how to handle the things of God to go do the work of God. You see, for every vision that God gives us, he must give us provision to support the vision that he's given us. That's why I'm excited about what God is calling us to do up on 429. It's not just about building a building. This is about planting something for a community, for generations beyond us, because they need to hear about the Spirit of God, not about the rules and regulations that people often think that they've got to live by. In Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says this, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's the cross of Christ. 
If the cross of Christ is working inside of you, you get to release that abundance that's meant to come upon you. Listen, this is what Rowan did with me. She owned all the stuff that I have. She's, she's in my will. She owns it all. But simply because of her choice to move in abundance, she released more abundance to her life. She moved my hand to take away the obstacles that stop her from getting the life that she wants to live, to be the person who she's meant to be. This is not just about what God's going to do through you. It's about what God's going to do in you. And you have to understand that your time on this earth is drawing to a close. Recently, I was reading a book and something jumped out of me that just really moved me. And the guy said, he said, you know, when you're reading scripture, most people, most Christians think that the ultimate job and the ultimate goal of our lives is that we get to heaven to be with God. And he said, but scripture doesn't say that. He said, the ultimate goal in scripture is that heaven comes to earth. That when we read Revelation and we go through all the, the trauma of the, of the last days, it says, finally, the trumpet will call and it says, and that heaven will come down to earth. Even when Jesus was teaching us how to pray, he said, your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. On earth. And what hit me was I had this picture that just suddenly came to my mind and I saw a picture of an American football field game. I mean, it must have been from God because I'm not dreaming about American football game, right? Okay, and I saw, and I saw my son on, on, on the field and I saw all these witnesses all around, all these fans all around, just cheering him on. And as I, and I, was, I was looking at this thing, it suddenly hit me. They're out of the game now. They don't have an opportunity to make any difference. They don't have an opportunity to clean the room anymore. It's finished for them. Their ability to affect souls for eternity, their ability to affect themselves for eternity is done. It's finished. It's over. They just get to cheer on with your joy. But when you're on the field, the glory belongs to the person that is on the field who has an opportunity to give their best, to press in and to do something in this life. My father was 67 when he died. I'm about to turn 47. It hit me. I got 20 years left to make a difference in this life if I'm going to get to where he was. I pray for more years, but I'm telling you right now, you're the guys that are in the game. It's not the ones in heaven. Whoever has passed on has passed on. You're the ones that are in the game. Make this time count. Listen to your father's voice. Listen intently. Do the things that you need to do because God needs you to be abundant to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out to those who know nothing about it. Now is the time of salvation, the Bible says. Now is the time of salvation. This is why we ask for more. This is our motivation. This is our driving factor. If we don't get this now, we're gonna have to get to heaven and go, I should have done more. I could have done one more thing. I could have just done one more thing in my life. I don't want to do that. I want to live it now. I want that abundance now. Is it hard work? Sure, but it's fun when it's with the Father. He loves a hilarious giver. He's filled with joy. We're filled with joy. This is worth living. Are you with me on this, people? Because I want you to capture this. Let's give him our joy. Let's, see, let's stand this morning as we end our service. 
Father, I pray for every person that is in this room right now that they capture this vision once again. In fact, you know what? Let's do something different right now. I usually end it right now. If you feel like you need to make that commitment and don't come forward just because everyone else is coming forward, but if you think this is it, I have to make a commitment to get abundant in my life. I want you to come forward as an act of faith to say, I'm repenting, I'm returning, I'm cleaning my bedroom. Father, I'm shouting out, come and see my bedroom. Dad, come and see what I've done. And look what I've done to the cupboard as well. If that is within you, come on forward and make an act of faith. Take a step of faith and be the one who's listening intently to their father. Come on, press in, press in. You've got got tons of dollar tree store gifts here for you, right? Come on, press in, press in. And let's raise our hands to the father. And we're going to take a moment just to ask for more to ask for more, to say, Father, I'm sorry for not cleaning my bedroom. I'm sorry, Father, for being hurt by those people over here, by being hurt by my family. I'm sorry for closing my door and feeling rejected. I'm sorry, Lord, for for giving up and actually now treating you like you're not a good father. But Lord, I'm swinging open my bedroom door. I'm swinging it open and I'm telling you, Lord, I want to be obedient. I want to tidy my room and I want to go a step further. I want to go beyond what you have given me because I want more of my Father in my bedroom here. And Lord, every person that's here right now, I pray you'd fill them with your Spirit to overflowing. That they would start to see how much more that you have got for them so that we can do the things that you have called us to. We firmly believe, Father, and we say this to you. Thank you, Dad, because you're a good dad. You are a good, good dad. Help us to be good sons and daughters. As you fill us with your spirit right now, take a moment to overflow in his spirit right now. To overflow in his spirit right now. Jesus, thank you for what you've done on the cross. Thank you that every restriction and burden has been removed from us and we get to live like you. We get to live as a son of the Father, as a daughter of the Most High. Fill us now, O God. Break our chains off of ourselves. Help us to remove these curses. Help us to move your hand so these restrictions are removed from ourselves that we've self-imposed. O God, fill us with your Spirit, we pray. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And I ask this now in your precious Son's name.